Hi, everybody. Thank you for tuning into the new episode of the Phoenix MMA podcast. Um, this one is uh, the secret weapon to constantly improve your game. So it's a secret, right? It's a secret. So if you hear this, don't tell too many people. Um, uh, it's kind of funny. Um, the, this is this is a secret to uh, improving either um, whatever any combat sports skill, boxing, Muay Thai, MMA, wrestling, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, um, Judo, anything. Um, it's a secret, and you can go ahead and tell other people because it's the funniest type of secret ever. It's kind of a, it's kind of like a secret to uh, finan- uh, financial secret uh, budgeting. Um, it's pretty funny. Um, now, believe it or not, some people actually are not taught uh, budgeting, um, and it's so it does need to be discussed, and it needs to be an actual skill. Um, but it's one of those, um, it's one of those, uh, you know, budgeting or if um, to gain if you're trying to if you're lifting weights, you're trying to gain muscle. Um, it's increasing your protein intake. Um, it's one of those things where you can you can tell people, but it's uh, discipline. It's the actual behavior that's gonna that, gonna make it work. Um, so it's funny. Uh, there's a lot of things like that, like the real secrets to getting good at things. I, I that's what every time I, uh, anytime I've ever had a profession change, or because I went from wrestling to Brazilian Jiu Jitsu to boxing to Muay Thai to MMA. So every single time that I went into those different um, avenues, I worked in supplement stores, and uh, worked for construction companies, uh, law enforcement. Every time I'd go there, I'd to a different little environment i would always try to find the the real real core things because you only have so much time in your day so i'd find the the core principles that were really would give you you know the greatest roi and uh and there's there's core principles in every martial art aspect uh different professions and things where things that are going to give you the most again roi return on investment bang for your buck um and each one of the each martial art has that um and uh but the thing is that there's a whole lot of uh, accessory work as well and accessory work is not bad at all um it's just a lot of people will use accessory work as the majority of their training program and then the the found the 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 core i'm not gonna say basics or fundamentals or i'm gonna say the the actual core the core of what's the the most important to be successful at that sport um they'll lots of times it's it's not the most exciting thing and it requires uh discipline and um and and uh going into where you're insecure or you're or you're ignorant um lots of times when you do that you go into where you're insecure and where you're ignorant you shine a light on it and then it's a huge improvement and uh, sometimes it's not even a super complex thing now the accessory things lots of times accessory um i'll say this with brazilian jiu-jitsu is really easy to say but there's a lot of there's a lot of accessory things accessory items or accessory uh drills or things that are good they do benefit you um but they should be an accessory um they should be extra um they shouldn't make up the you know the the majority of your of your training uh diet you could say um so anyway gonna go over that a little bit uh this one's gonna be it's the, the secret here you go here you go this is the big secret if you want to get good at stuff and you want to be really, really good at any sport you're doing, uh, any combat sport that you're doing, uh, this is the secret. Um, you want to constantly identify your weaknesses, places where you're ignorant, and then you want to, instead of, it's uh, instead of, I'll explain the insecurity in just a little bit. Uh, let's see, let me make sure I write that note down so I go down that thread. Sorry about this, I'm making notes on the spot. Um, uh, sorry about this, everybody.
Okay. So there is a good reason for the insecurity when, and, and why you want to uh, ignore those um, the, your blind spots or your, your parts where you're ignorant in your game. Uh, there's a good reason for it. And, uh, or, it, or I say there's a good reason for it. It's just once you actually hear the explanation, then you'll say, oh, okay, sweet. Hopefully you can, uh, that helps you unlock. Uh, it took a long time for me to uh, unlock um, psychologically so I could perform uh, to my highest ability um, uh, in, in jujitsu. Um, so it takes some time, but hopefully this will help you out. So, um, uh, yeah, so if you're, if you're bad at boxing inside, like say you're, you're MMA fighter, Muay Thai, boxing, whatever, if you're bad at boxing, at inside boxing, you need to do rounds, situation rounds, inside boxing. You need to drill on it on the bag, like, you know, you need to be in the bag, you need to be working inside, and then you need to purposely get inside. If that's where you feel like you're the absolute worst, you want to go there. You want to steer into literally what's uncomfortable, what uh, kind of makes you feel insecure, what makes you um, kind of nervous, or, um, or the thing that you naturally want to avoid. You want to steer into it. If you do, the coolest thing in the world, let's say we got the inside boxing, um, or let's see, uh, you're bad at leg locks, or um, you're you're bad at takedowns. Okay, you're wrestling. Um, if you have to have good training partners to make sure that you don't get hurt, you know, inside boxing rounds can be brutal because you're standing in the phone booth, you're tight, you're chest to chest, and you're throwing a whole lot of shots. Three minute round where you're chest to chest. Um, you need to have a, a sparring partner that you can trust and you can get good work in with because you need the time. You need the time. You need time. Uh, you need time, you need realistic speed, but you have to be careful with your damage. Um, uh, same thing with uh, leg locks or takedowns. You need time. You need hours in that realm. You need hours and hours and hours and hours in that realm. You need hours of uh, fighting for ankle locks, toe holds, heel hooks, knee bars. You need hours of fighting fighting for them, um, but you don't need the damage. So you, you it takes hours to accumulate real skill in things. So that's the tricky thing why you need good training partners. You need people like not necessarily throwing 100% uh, power when you're doing those inside rounds. Um, not necessarily like, you know, sl not slamming you on your neck or head, like spiking you while you're doing life takedowns and stuff. You have to have good training partners so that you can get the hours and time in there. Now the other part is like you have to also be really, really focused on technique and skill because if you if you if you're not focused on technique and skill, then because you're you're not going with quite as much damage to, so that you don't uh, accumulate too much damage, then you're not going to get a, a realistic fight speed. Um, you're not going to get a good look. So what you need is you need partners who are willing to go super super technical, uh, control the amount of damage that you get, but still stay at fight speed. That is difficult. I understand that's difficult. It's 100% difficult, especially when you first start. When you first start training, like say jiu-jitsu for the six, first six months, it's going to be very difficult for you to do this. Like if you get to an arm bar, you're just going to rip that arm bar because you, you don't have enough self-control. But, um, but after six months, you know, after you've gone past that phase of when people first start training, they sometimes they'll hyperventilate or, you know, they think that they're like fighting for their life. And it's like, it's like, you got to get past that point. But, um, but once you get past that point, uh, you, you gotta, you, you gotta get, so this is also a little podcast to help out with like good training partners. You should be able to do leg locks with good training partners. You should be able to do live takedowns with good partners. You should be able to do, uh, boxing Muay Thai rounds. You should be able to do inside boxing rounds with good partners. Okay. You should be able to throw knees with good partners. Okay. But this is the problem. If you don't have good partners, what happens is you only train maybe 10 or 15. You only get 10 or 15 as much uh, percent as much time in that, that element, whatever it is, because your partners are just thrashing, acting, acting silly. 
Um, and so you accumulate so much damage that you only get to train 10% as much time. Um, and when it actually, what you're thinking about is when it actually comes down to fight day. When it comes down to fight day, um, you don't have to control uh, your power with uh, whether it's a submission or a strike. You don't have to control your power with your takedowns. The same thing. You don't have to control your power. Um, and when you actually become more cerebral while you're sparring, uh, whether it's uh, jujitsu or Muay Thai or boxing or wrestling, whatever it is, um, when you become more cerebral, um, you actually learn how to control your power. Okay, like you, because you become more technical, and also you have literally 10 times the amount of mat time uh so like you can choose it's like a double leg if you're if you're actually doing takedowns in a good way um it's not going to stop you from an mma fight if you want to be able to double leg your opponent on their head uh for a knockout finish if anything it might help um because you're more cerebral you're more you can choose what you want to do not only that it'll give you other benefits like when you're finishing that double leg if you want to finish the double leg it would be advantageous for you to finish that double leg towards your corner towards your corner um, so you could finish that double as opposed to just you know radically spending maybe more energy than you need to, and then you land in your opponent's corner. So now your opponent's corner is in your ear, you know, uh, affecting what you're focused on. Um, and and if you don't think it's true, like cornermen can really do it. I, that's one thing I can do. I don't like to do it too much, um, but you can really mess with somebody's head if you can you can uh, get close to your opponent's ear, um, and you can also really assist your athlete as well. Um, uh, that one I'm not going to give away uh, for free on the podcast. That one's that one's for the team. That's for the for the gym. Um, but uh, so um, uh, yeah, sorry, got a little bit sidetracked. So yeah, you want to go? We'll go on those things, and then just a little bit of a tip, advice for your training partners, so that you can so that you can do this. And then what happens is the thing that you're insecure about, you're ignorant. Suddenly, you're good at it. And once you're good at it, the the least amount of holes that you have. Um, it is really, really tough. It's really tough to, like, you are a very frustrating opponent. This would also go to strength and conditioning. If you have a strength, if you're having an issue where you're getting out horsepowered, boom, that's where we need to go. If you have an issue where you're getting tired, boom, that's where we need to go. go. That's what we need to implement, and that's what we need to work on. The problem is, uh, it's it's so simple, some people just don't think about it, but that's not actually, it's not the simplicity of it. It's that you have to go into something that you're ignorant of, and people don't like to do that. It's uncomfortable. Um, you don't feel as confident. You feel like you're, you know, you're, you're, you're not on solid ground. Um, it's okay. The the beautiful thing about it is, the the most successful people go into those areas. They go into those areas. They find them. They go into them, and they, that's the the one of the main reasons they are really really successful is because they do that. And people that have a really hard time, it's also one of the reasons why they have a hard time is because they have all these holes that they're purposely avoiding. Um, you know, when it comes to jiu-jitsu game, it's so, it's so clear. That's the cool thing about jiu-jitsu is it gives you, um, you know, it gives you clarity. Like it, it, you, what you put in is what you get out. So you get to, um, it constantly gives you a reality check, which is, which is a, a, one of the cool little byproducts of, of training Brazilian jiu-jitsu is it gives you a, it gives you a, uh, you know, just constant little reality check. And the thing is, it teaches you too. It's like, what happens if, um, what happens if uh, you're not good at kimuras and you keep getting caught in kimuras? It's like, what's the answer? Do you like, do you stomp your feet and like whine and like, you know, say, all right, well, I'm not doing that anymore. Or, uh, you know, or I'm, you know, I'm gonna do this. I'm just gonna avoid it. I'm just, you know, it's like, 
that that's no no it's like once you, you start studying kimuras you start drilling kimuras you start drilling kimura defenses you start when you're sparring either getting yourself put in kimuras on purpose so you can defend them or you start going to them yourself probably both honestly so you can understand the offense and defense um uh that's that's the thing you go into it and the really cool thing is or the bad thing is if you if you avoid them I've done it with parts of uh, my martial arts career for sure. That's how I'm talking about it because I've known it. Um, it. You don't feel good. If you go into a match, you go into a fight, and it goes in that realm, uh, it stresses you out. It burns more cardio. Uh, you're more likely to, to either lose the fight or, or have issues with you. It also, because it stresses you out, it uh, physically fatigues you faster because you're not good at that that area of your game it also fatigues you faster because you don't have the technical prowess the more technically sound that you are the less energy the more efficient you are the less energy you have to use or the more energy that you're available to actually apply on stuff but when you're not really technical at stuff you thrash and you 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 burn you burn a ton of energy that's not necessary so um yeah so that's the secret um but uh what what actually um i'll finish with the the reason for the insecurity so go back to that but um seems simple um not really simple uh oh so sorry i actually got something uh yeah something good for the end because it's something that uh jiu-jitsu instructors usually won't tell their students um and it's a it's uh it's partially ignorance and it's also partially pride uh we'll get to that we'll do that actually last so um one good example would be um somebody like say if uh you're for jiu-jitsu a lot of brazilian jiu-jitsu practitioners really neglect takedowns they neglect working on takedowns um even if you don't have interest in competing uh in a tournament say you just want to use it for self-defense you you want to work on your takedowns um you want to have something uh that you would be confident in that that's a reliable takedown for you if you actually have to protect yourself that's a given um but uh you you know takedowns in the gym it's difficult it's it's a difficult it is a difficult aspect of fighting um and it's also difficult when every part of the reason why it's difficult is because every person that you're sparring or you're doing takedowns with is also working on their takedowns and doesn't want to lose and it's following the instruction or they're studying so um so you're going to have more difficult matches for sure um but it's it's also a mindset thing that you want if you if you're doing Brazilian Jiu Jitsu for self defense, is you need to have that part of your mind that is uh, that is uh, an ability. It's a light switch to where you can, if you need to, you can become assertive and uh, get that takedown if it's necessary. Um, there there are self defense situations where if you wait too long, you're really in trouble. You know, if somebody corners you and they back you up and then you get surrounded or um, if there are situations where if you wait too long, you could put yourself in more danger. And just because you do a takedown on someone, um, let's say a power double or something like that, doing a takedown doesn't mean that you have to engage any further. You don't have to go neon belly. You don't have to go side control. You don't have to kick the person in the head. Um, there's times you could do a takedown and just, and literally just run for your safety. So, um, if, and that's lots of times, that's a smart thing to do. Um, even let's say you're attacked by like two people. Um, you know, if you took one person down, um, and then, uh, you know, say you could take both people down, um, or something happens and they get on the ground. It's like with two people, that would not be smart. Do not go engage and get kicked in the back of the head. Um, you know, it'd be smart to get out of there. Um, um, so anyway, um, uh, with the, oh, with the takedowns though, let's say that you go, uh, so common, this is one of the things that happens with jujitsu is there's a lot of wrestlers. Wrestlers translate to jujitsu very, sim uh, very well. Um, wrestling is just moving human bodies. It's just leverage. It's just, 
just that's all it is just leverage learning how to move the body the same way jiu-jitsu is jiu-jitsu just allows you to break the body or strangle the body um so they're they're you know they're they're brothers basically or their sisters whatever they're their cousins um they're so closely related that wrestlers uh transition to jiu-jitsu um pretty well as long as they actually try to learn jiu-jitsu the ones that don't actually try to learn jiu-jitsu you'll see it like 10 or 15 years later they're still getting submitted by the same things they still have like kind of the blocky movement and stuff and um and that works against when you have you know somebody bigger than you and somebody who also doesn't wrestle um and they're smaller and all they do is try to rely on their closed guard or something that's but again that's more of like an old school thing that's happening late 90s early 2000s um it's it's not enough now so it's um but um but uh, so a lot of wrestlers come to jiu-jitsu, so then the takedown portion, they, uh, wrestlers have a huge advantage because you've just been working on it. Say so even if you just wrestled four years in high school, you have a huge advantage over someone walking in off the street. But the person who walked in off the street, the part that they don't understand is it's just a time thing. It's a time thing. Or you're wrestling against a college wrestler or something. It's, a, it's, a, it's just a time thing. It's just you just have to practice. So say you're going with a college wrestler and you think in your head, um, this is a normal thought that people have. Well, so-and-so wrestled at this college. Uh, so-and-so wrestled three years in high school, and I didn't wrestle in high school at all. Or, you know, you could be a high school wrestler, and you're like, oh, so-and-so wrestled college. I never wrestled in college, so I can't do it. Um, or there's all these different things, uh, all these different excuses and stuff. It's like, it's like, no, delete that. Just think. It is time. It's time on the mat. It's time studying. It's time focused. Um, so, like, say someone wrestled three years in high school. You know, wrestling season is like three months long. Um, you know, nine months, nine months of practice and training, and that was broken broken up. Now, if they train year-round, they did freestyle and Greco, obviously there's more time to do that. But if you're just thinking about somebody who just wrestled in high school three years just through the wrestling season, it's like, okay, you got nine months of experience. And, you know, you can close that gap in a year. Like, definitely, you can close that gap in a year um, because you're doing a year-round sport if you're training year-round. And you're you're really focusing. You know, maybe it, maybe it takes you a year and a half, two years. It's still a good time frame. Um, and then just think, in a year and a half, you could just okay, so and so wrestled in high school. You never wrestled. What are you gonna do? It's like, well, I've been training. I've been working on for my wrestling for a year and a half, two years now. Um, yeah, high school wrestler. I'm I'm confident. I'm gonna go take take that my opponent down. Um, so anyway, and whenever you get a chance to wrestle with wrestlers, wrestle with wrestlers. Um, it's okay if you get beaten like and also don't think like hey i'm just gonna i'm just gonna lose every single match um everybody's just a human nobody's immortal invincible everybody has patterns everybody has habits everybody has physical limitations gas tank all these different things it's like um yeah you need uh you need to go towards as much as you can but it's just an insecurity thing because it's like a, it's a natural thing it's just a it's a automatic negative thought that people will have they'll say so and so is a purple belt there's no way i could submit them it's like yeah you're definitely not gonna be able to armbar that purple belt if that's what you think um but you when you just think of it it's just a time it's an experience like every single time you're on the mat you touch the mat you're getting xp points every time you study matches or you watch a fight you're getting xp points you know there's different different levels of xp for everything that you're doing but just think of it that way but if you have that mindset like you know what i know people that because they've just avoided takedowns they you know started training jiu-jitsu when they were maybe 16 17 um you know did jiu-jitsu for six or seven years and still their their takedowns and their wrestling had just not improved and it's like if you had been working on takedowns for six or seven years you'd be pretty solid you'd be pretty solid um but anyway so 
just uh, don't let that automatic negative thought uh, mess with you. Uh, uh, The limiting beliefs will sneak up on you real quick. Um, Way better to set like a really high goal. You know, it's a corny little poster in like schools and stuff, but set the set the high goal. And even if you don't set that, even if you don't meet the meet the high goal, you make eighty five percent. That's still a a uh, really big improvement as opposed to setting the goal to 60% and then you, you make 55% of at 60. So leaving stuff on the table. Um, yeah, this is so we'll go real quick on what you don't want to do uh, with this. Um, what you don't want to do is I, I see this all the time. I've seen it forever. I've done it too. Um, like when I first started training, I came from a wrestling background. So I was always on top, always on top. I was fighting to be on top, fighting to be on top. I got really good in the closed guard. Um, it it got to the point where it was it was very difficult. I mean, watching Tito Ortiz fight in the UFC, you could see if you're in the closed guard on top, same thing. It's a time thing. It gets really hard to submit you in the closed guard. Um, and I had that for for um, that I I can remember when that first got to the point where it's like, okay, I felt very comfortable fighting off arm bars and triangles and bars and guillotines and closed guard. Uh, I felt like a home. But the thing was, I was constantly fighting to be on top so much because I came from the wrestling background. I was like, no, not going to be on bottom, not going to be on bottom. The times that I did go compete, and if I did either get taken down or swept, it's going to happen to you. You're going to get taken down someday. It doesn't matter who you are. You're going to get swept at some point. It doesn't matter who you are. Um, you will find a good opponent. And then once you get put on your back, it's like the match is over. It's just done. Like there's no there, there's no way where you win. It's like you're, you're, you're a glass cannon. Uh, and video game terms like you got you got 90% strength in one area and 10% in the other it's like yeah you're you're just done um so that was one of my things the second time I went to Brazil I went with a knee injury so I couldn't be I basically couldn't be on top uh for the whole time that I was in Brazil the second time I went and um I couldn't be on top and I couldn't do takedowns so I just that was actually what turned the corner on me and my guard is it forced me to play guard um for several months, it, it forced me to do guard every single day. I couldn't, so um, it, it made a huge difference. And when I when I won uh, the world championships, it was I, I actually used my guard a ton. And it was, and I can remember some of my training partners when I got back from Brazil told me it's like, oh wow, you actually have a guard now. And they were like, you, you know, you're always tough. You were a good match for me, but before you didn't have a guard. That was the thing. Is like I knew, hey, if I get Corey on his back. Um, you know, he's in a bad spot. So, uh, anyway, so I, I did the same thing. I white and blue belt. I totally did the same thing. Uh, it happens, but, uh, that was just one of those things I learned through going through it. But, um, yeah, you don't, you don't want to, uh, a couple things I see it all yeah, that I see all the time. Um, you haven't, this is a really common one. You, uh, you haven't developed your, uh, guard. So you always choose to start on top. So whenever it's sparring round time, it's like, you know, whatever, top, bottom. Uh, you don't work on your guard at all. So you're always like, you always insist on being on top. You walk up, you're like, oh, I'll take top. Or sometimes you just walk up and you just assume top position. And your partner's like, um, yeah, you just assume top position. They're, they're like, oh, okay, sure. Like maybe they want to start on bottom anyway. Or maybe they just don't want to be rude or they don't want to whatever. Um, but it catches up to you eventually. It catches up to you eventually. Um, the people that have been in the game can notice it easily, like see it. It's, it's clear as day. can see what's going on. It's just, it's again, when you actually have an eye for jujitsu, after you've done it for over 10 years, you get a different eye for it. It looks much different to you. Not a bad way. It's pretty cool. Um, but kind of like if somebody could code or like a computer program, if they look at a website, they could look at it differently. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that's uh, that's a big one. Like insisting on being on top because you know that your guard is not good. 
Um, yeah, this is another one that ties right with that. Like, say you go out of bounds, you and your partner spar, and you go out of bounds, and um, and you're on bottom, and then when you try to, you go to do the reset. It's like, all right, you, you know, you go out of bounds, and the and, and our gym at least. If you go out of bounds, uh, that's not an escape. You reset in the same position, whatever it is. You know, it's just so you don't hit your head on the concrete or you know a chair or something like that. But you reset in the same position. Like going out of bounds is not an escape. And if you're gonna do jujitsu tournaments, you definitely want to understand like evading the mat will actually get you disqualified. Um, so uh, yeah, it's and you know it, that's not an escape going off the mat. But people will do that. Where they'll go off the mat and then try to. Um, Try to then get top position, which is a really bold one, which is really wild. It's like you were, if you like, say you're bottom, you're bottom mount or bottom half guard or something like that, go out of bounds or bottom turtle or something like that. You go out of bounds and then you try to, uh, you try to reset on top. It's like, again, not, not, it's just a bad habit. It'll catch up to you eventually. Um, so if you notice that you're doing that, um, for, just, just, just to speed up your development, again, you can do jujitsu however you'd like to, you know, whatever you want to do. Um, yeah, so I have heard people say that, like, I don't, I don't want to fight off my back. I don't want to be on bottom at all for some self-defense reasons and stuff. But I, I still don't – the the debate on that isn't isn't solid because, you know, whatever, you you could – when when I was in law enforcement, I had a couple deputies that had that conversation. It's like, on my back, you know, I'm going to use my knife or I'm going to, you know, all this stuff. I was like, yeah, that's – I mean, I get what you're saying, but the problem is there's – that you're that you're not gonna people would say hey i'm not gonna you know i'm not gonna be on my back it's like you don't get to dictate that dictate that there are two wrestling's become too popular judo is not the most popular but there's still people do practice judo and mma has become way too popular um just way way too popular uh for the military as well it's like it's like like wrestling is one of the most um uh popular sports of around the world like any country like or you know it's one of the oldest sports known to mankind and um and a lot of third world countries have great wrestling programs so like you know um uh you definitely it's it, it can happen anybody can be taken down there's some there are some crazy level wrestlers and crazy level judo practitioners the other thing about wrestling and judo is they they don't really pay a lot of money you know it's not like a football player or something where they make a ton of money so there will be somebody that you know, like wrestled 25 years and then maybe uh, they just have a, a very modest job or something. You don't think anything about it. And then that dude can throw you over his head um, and he's just walking around. I, also, wrestlers and judo practitioners are pretty kind of unassuming. They're not super flashy. Um, you know, you, you want to watch out for the, the cauliflower ears and the joints that are like really swollen and stuff like that if you, uh, if you know what to look for. But um, anyway... Uh, sorry, I keep going on the tangent. So, um, yeah. So, last little bit on it. Getting on top is uh, is a good goal. There's nothing wrong with that. That's a good good breakdown on how to do jujitsu. If you're on bottom, work to sweep or submit. Once you get on top, pass the guard, mount, submit. Um, you know, improve position while looking for a submission. At the same time, uh, if the submission present, uh, if you can not just present self, if you can attain the submission, finish the match. If you can't. Keep on improving position, um, wearing down your opponent. Nothing wrong with that. It's good. Um, the biggest thing is it going, getting on top is a good strategy. It's not a bad strategy, but it needs to be from uh, from actually um, sweeping, bridging, or funking your way out. So that that brings me to a thing like you, you need to be on bottom. Um, you need to actually work on uh, getting on top from being on bottom. Not not trying to you know do little hacks and stuff like constantly uh, insisting on being on top 
And also, this podcast is not me telling you to not work on your top game. Your top game is important as well. It just happens to be that most people are comfortable when they first start doing jiu-jitsu on top. Uh, it's just a natural thing. It is a little bit more natural. Fighting off your back is more difficult, and uh, and it takes more work. Um, See, so yeah, I'm not telling you to not be on the top at all. Uh, it's a smart strategy. Uh, but we'll get to the last little bit. Uh, there are four types of getting on top. Um, there are three from actual bottom position. Most uh, jujitsu coaches, they're only going to tell. They're going to tell you there's only one. Uh, this is an issue that that uh, that I see with a lot of Brazilian jujitsu instructors that teach. Um, and uh, and again, it comes out. It's like you can say whatever you want to say, but when it actually comes down to tournaments or competitions, when you go there, whatever whatever you want to say, that actually shows it. There's a clear, clear. There it goes. You can see it. Boom, for everybody. Um, so a lot of the the there's three from bottom. Most just instructors will tell you there's only one. Um, so you got uh, you have takedowns that's from your feet, um, and then you have sweeping, bridging, or funking. Okay, so sweeping is when you actually use your legs and that's the IBJJF definition so if you just bridge someone you only get an advantage for jujitsu rules you don't get two points for the sweep um, because you have to have the legs involved the problem with that is that because that's a rule jujitsu instructors go super super hard on it they get super strict on it and I mean I feel you like if you need to score the two points like engage the legs get that in there um, but just when it comes to actually fighting someone just doing jiu-jitsu, grappling, like fighting with another person, wrestling with another person, um, that, that's not the only way to get on top. It might be the only thing that scores two points for, for jiu-jitsu, but it's not the only way to get on top. And, uh, and you, you just can't afford, you can't afford to only have one uh, belief on, on how to get on top is that it's sweeping with only your legs because bridging is also a viable option. Uh, bridging works really well. When someone is locked on a submission, when they're really focused on a submission, because lots of times when they're going for submission, both hands are applied to that joint. Um, they're both applied to that joint to uh, so they can attack, so their base is compromised. It's just part of it. Now, again, bridging is not the best strategy. Br- bridging has risk. Every time you bridge, you open yourself up to be submitted. Um, your neck opens up. Your arms open up. Um, your legs open up. It's There's a scramble there that's allowed, and it's for both people. It's not just for one. P- this is people that, that think there's only uh, the jiu-jitsu – sorry, the jiu-jitsu practitioners that think the sweeping is the only way to get on top. They're the ones that usually have a real hard time with uh, bridging or uh, funking because it's not even on their radar. I'm not even thinking about it. Um, they're saying, no, that's not how you're supposed to get on top. Uh, so they have a really hard time with it. But if you do think about bridging and you do think about funking, then it's, again, you're, you're thinking about it. It's on your mind. Uh, what, you, what you look for is what you find. Um, so you can also defend it a little bit easier if you're, if you're receptive, you're open to it. Um, but bridging, uh, yeah, bridging is totally viable. Again, it won't score you two points in an IBJJF tournament, but it does get you on top. And no matter who it is, if they're on top mount, top side control, and they are going for a Kimura and they get bridged, they're not happy about it. They don't like that they lost that position and it happens mma fights plenty um it was one of like the old school again like late like mid to late 90s mid to late 90s that uh that were that was kind of like a blind spot that was that was going on um and not so much now in mma but uh a lot of jujitsu is still um a lot of jujitsu is still has that blind spot um and then uh funking so funking you could say like made like famous popular by Ben Askren but funking is um it's uh it's 
Funking is uh, like mat wrestling. Uh, you're on the ground. Funking is like uh, it's it's different than sweeping. It's different than uh, bridging. Uh, it, it's uh, you know it's just a, it's a completely different category that that combines. It's kind of like you know like kind of mortar or glue in between. Like so, it works with sweeps. It works with bridging. All three. It kind of connects all three of them together. Um, you want to be able to transition all those together. You want to be able to sweep. Uh, funk to a bridge you want to build a bridge funk to a sweep you want to build a sweep you know uh funk to a bridge like you you want to have all those things and and funking to me uh it's it's hard to uh describe like techniques just audio but you could you know you could look up techniques and you see it you're like okay cool um a lot of like cross positions like butt drag positions uh like uh picking the far side ankle dragging it across um there's a lot of things and when i was in high school and ben askren was uh when i first started seeing ben askren um they were saying all the stuff he's doing is crazy when it was uh wrestling like the because i was wrestling and i was in the wrestling world everybody's like hey this is crazy but because i started doing jujitsu when i saw it i was like oh that looks it looks like that guy's doing jujitsu he's just doing it in wrestling uh so it's a it's a different type of movement for sure uh lots of times when people see it it's very confusing it looks like two snakes kind of wrapping around each other but there is a method to the madness um there is a technique to it just like there's technique to bridging as well there's a smart time to do it and there's not a smart time to do it but um but yeah that's it uh so hopefully you enjoyed this podcast um hopefully uh you're going to use the the secret weapon to improve um i hope you do uh it's it's hard to do it it's not it's not easy to do it uh for all those those reasons but um but yeah that's it end of the podcast um we have the the 14th we got grappling games coming up uh we got the 28th we have the Luis fighting in the fedex forum uh so we got that yeah the 28th in memphis and then november 9th we have uh, the nashville open uh that is an ibjgf um uh, tournament so again if you're still working on getting your registration all this all those documents submitted uh get that done if you need some help just let me know um yeah if you need some help it's not the hardest thing in the world but just you just don't want to procrastinate it's one of those things if you procrastinate uh you'll miss out on the tournament you'll be frustrated so better to knock it out now get it done and be ready for it and uh and then have fun on november 9th so hopefully everybody enjoyed this hope you enjoyed this podcast episode and um yeah hopefully uh you enjoy the podcast episode hope everybody has a good weekend and uh see everybody on monday see you see it